Welcome to Oaken Bros. This is Eric. And I'm Michael. Today we have Nick Reed, uh, who is a pretty prolific um, hiring agent for for people in the travel industry. And um, we were just explaining before we went live how we feel what he does is such a um, such a value driven um, thing for the community that that he's able to help out people uh, find jobs. And I think that's a really noble um, profession. But thank you. Thank you for coming on. Nick, what do you do? What is tra it's travel staff, right? It's travel travel staff. I better answer that by what I what I did exchange password. Sorry. Okay. Um, what I did was over three years, having come from the travel industry, born and bred, and you know, from agencies to airlines and stuff, I set up travel staff three years ago with my former staff from Thai Airways. And uh, over three years, we became the largest travel recruitment firm in the United States. Uh, now, what do I do today? As of March 21st, nothing. Uh, we were decimated overnight being a service provider to the travel industry. We're the pimple on the ass of the elephant. Right. Right. So, um, and we found ourselves with nothing to do and we said what are we going to do so we decided that we would stay the course and um, try to help people so we went from earning a lot of money to earning nothing we now do it for love right. I mean yes but we're all in the same boat in, everyone in, the, of us. in the travel world everyone yeah. is kind of you know scraping off the floor of, of how we can innovate and help and and do those things so i guess start from the beginning where did you um where did you you start were in your travel your whole, yeah you said you were in travel your whole life yeah i started off in 1976 so i was um, born in 78 by the way yeah in so. australia so yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um i moved um down to uh, australia in 1974 and um got into the travel industry in 76 started off as the brochure boy the mail boy for australia's largest travel company now the mail boy in australia is lower than the tea lady we actually had a tea lady who went out at 10 and at three every day and delivered okay. tea on a trolley and they had more regard for her they loved her uh, when i wow. left they gave me a little gift when she left they uh, had a stretch limousine balloons and everything so i was lower than low but started <laughs> off there worked through every department then joined a small startup and then in 82 set up my business which uh, was uh, my largest customers was the, were the music industry so i okay. became the first celebrity travel agency in australia in 82 when i set up a company called trips and uh, did that um, until i moved to the united states in 2014 uh, 2004. Okay. Um, i am american you... but i was gone my parents uh, were missionaries in japan and they had relocated to the united states and having been gone although i saw them regularly being in the travel industry in fact that's why i joined the travel industry is i wanted to be able to get back to japan uh, to see my family and uh, but when they um, moved to from Tokyo to California, uh, coincidentally, my wife is American from LA. And after 9-11, it really hit the Americans that were living uh, in Australia more than it affected the Australians. And we realized, wow, we've been here. I've, I've been there for 20 odd years by that stage. And it just hit home. Uh, my brother worked in the World Trade Center. Uh, oh, my God. Power. I'm sorry to hear that. No, no, he's alive. Oh this my God! Right. He worked for Fuji Bank, and uh, he wow. he was the vice president of the bank. But he was in a sales meeting in Midtown, and he isn't in sales; he was ops. But for some reason, they needed him that day, so they called him into a meeting. So he wasn't in the town. But all those little things sort of hit home, and it was like we need to 
get back to the States. My parents uh, had just relocated in 97 from Japan to um, the United States. So it made the decision easy. So at the age of 45, we sold everything and moved. And uh, I had to reinvent myself. So as that's, we are, all as we are all that's what this podcast here. is all about. So you, you, were, you were still in travel in 04. So when did you, when did you start uh, travel staffing? Um, travel staff, we started in um, 2017. And how did you go about that? I mean, because that, that's an interesting story because it's, you know, it's, it's so well known across the industry. So how, well, how did you do that? It wasn't my idea. I wish I could take all the credit for it. But it was my country manager from, from Thai Airways in Canada, a guy by the name of Jerry Taza, who uh, started, he left and started it. I was still at Thai and uh, he knew that my time was coming up. My um, mother had just passed and my father was on his last legs and I, you know, I had to step down. We gave up everything to be with family, and it didn't make sure. any sense not to do, you know, the last leg uh, as well as we could. So uh, I stepped down, and Jerry called me and said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm just going to concentrate on my father. And he said, I've started this staffing company, and I'd like you to set up uh, North America, uh, the United States for me. And I said, oh, I'm not interested. And uh, I said, but why don't you speak to Imelda, who's my current partner? And I said, she's just finished up as well. Um, and she's at a loose end. And so I put the two of them together. But being a big mouth and having been their boss, I couldn't stay out of it. So I said, well, I'll help. But from a distance, I'm not going to work with you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> what is, is that the end of the story? Or there's no, more to it? No, no, no. no, no. Um, okay. People frequently, and I'm a great proponent for this, mistake Canada for being the 51st state of the United States. The laws are different, you know, we're very similar and we're close cousins, but we're not the same. And Jerry and the style that he set up his business was working well in Canada, but it didn't work down here. And um, so Imelda and I bought him out. Uh, I knew that it was going to take longer and, and cost more money. America is mm-hmm. just a big market. Sure. So uh, we bought him out after only six months. Uh, and wow. I stepped in as Imelda's uh, partner. So Imelda and I have been 50-50 for uh, most of the time. Mm-hmm. And she was my ops manager at Thai Airways, but came from a corporate travel agency. Everybody that we have on our team has come through travel. Mm-hmm. So it's four, tra- it's four travel agents by travel agents. It is, but a um, little bit greater than travel agents. We also look after tour operators. So we joined USTOA. We're the first recruitment firm to have joined USTOA. We're members of ASTA. Um, and because uh, we came through the entertainment and production travel side of things, we also knew that side as well as mm-hmm. meetings and incentives. So we joined SITE and uh, MPI. I'm on the board of uh, MPI's Independent and Small Business Owners okay. uh, Committee. Um, and it's really uh, through networking. What we found was that uh, nobody was working the industry in the same way, attending the conferences, standing right. with people, listening to right. what they were needing. So, um, so yeah, we set it up and it just boomed and we thought we were so smart until COVID hit. That's the, that's yeah. the, uh, the going consensus of what everyone was thinking before yeah. COVID hit. Eric and I thought we were invisible. I mean, we were on this trajectory. We were doing uh, great things. We were doing and, incredible and, things. And, and we still are, yeah. you know, like the first two weeks we were like, every, we were in shell shock mm-hmm. and then, and then we, and then we got in a meeting and then we were like okay we have to innovate our way out of this what are we going to do 
And you have. I mean, I watch your posts on Thank your you. cleanliness and the, the booths that you're setting up to spray your drivers and you know, and how you're cleaning the cars. Yeah. It, you've been the most proactive out there. It's fantastic. Thank I know you. we're a long way from recovery, but at least you're you're fighting back. Yeah, you have to. You have to reinvent yourself. And um, when it comes to reinvention, what's your, I want to call this your sixth act. Sorry. No, it's okay. No worries. Uh, what's, what, what's your next act? Is travel staff going to still be around? In, it is, you know, we, we made a decision that we were going to stay the course and um, smart. We're, we're well funded because good. I'm older. If I were 25, I'd probably have had to go find a, a, a different job, let alone a different career. Mm -hmm. But um, what we realized is that those that survive will come out of it stronger just by market share. Those that um, don't survive leave more for the others. Now, recovery, as you know, is going to take some time. Yeah, of course. Um, we're going to uh, come out of this with the vaccine. I've always said it's a race for a vaccine. Um, but the devastation is still hitting every week. You know, um, people are laying off. Expedia uh, just laid off a quarter of their staff, Booking.com, and, and so it goes on. Um, so we're still yet to see the the, the blood flow in the streets. What do you and, think? What do you think the outcome is going to be for, you know, in travel? I've, I've tried to predict because everybody else is avoiding prediction. They're all talking about oh, if and when. And because we work in an industry that is a happy industry, we're a people industry, we're optimists awesome. to start with, we're 100%. service providers. And that worked against us. So in March, everyone was talking about, oh, it won't be long, we'll be okay. And then the layoffs, the furloughs started. Um, we immediately applied for our PPP loan. Um, for the first time in my life, I filed for unemployment. Wow. Um, and uh, then the PPP loan came through, so we brought people back, paid everybody, and we decided we would spend that money um, as it was meant to be spent for the people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's money that's it's their money, not just ours. And right. we know it's going to be forgiven because we spent it in that fashion. Well, guess what? We just finished spending it last week at the end of July, so we all just uh, applied for unemployment again. Um, but uh, we don't know what unemployment is going to be uh, going forward without the six hundred dollar uh, federal assurance. But it was a sort of a joke. Um, people were saying unemployment's down, the numbers are down. Well, we were living off government subsidies, so we were taking it from the same pot. Just one was from the right hand, now it's from the left hand. Right. So the damage uh, to the economy is yet to be felt. We're as a nation printing money faster than has ever been printed. And this year, we've printed more money, more debt than than all the debt previous. Mm -hmm. And so our dollar has weakened for the first time in a long time. Gold is through the roof. 2000, you know, yep. uh, unthinkable uh, two years ago. Yep. And so we are um, going to be paying that back uh, for a long time. So our economy is going to weaken. Now, the beauty is when America weakens, it's still incredibly strong. Mm -hmm. um, right. our, our economy, someone described it uh, during the 2008 crisis as um we have a dirty shirt, but we have the cleanest dirty shirt. <laughs> and coming out of COVID, I think America is going to be very much the same. Um, we will come out of it strong, but right now we have to get weak. We have to tidy up. Um, so I think it's a race for a vaccine. The statistics are so strange. There's this young gal, Sarah from Happily. She runs a meeting company and she took a brave decision in March and said no meetings, only virtual meetings until a vaccine. 
Now, she's 30-odd years old, and she was brave enough to do what the meetings industry can't or hasn't. They're mm -hmm. still saying, we're going to have meetings. Well, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> the latest polls show everybody's meetings are the end of this year, first quarter of next year. And um, now she's moving to Asia, to Taiwan. She doesn't speak Chinese, but she's moving there because they've already um, recovered. She had been planning to do it anyway. Right. So she's leaving her team in America. And reading her article um, was fantastic. Taiwan has a population of 24 million. They've had wow. 458 cases of COVID and wow. five deaths. Now, what did they the do? Population what, of LA. What, what did they do different? different? What did they do different? Well, they don't. What they did was they closed down everything. You know, they forcibly exactly. shut everything down. Exactly. Uh, and because we won't, because we pander, because it's an election year, we're not taking the hard steps of saying, okay, bring it down. COVID said, uh, not COVID, CDC said, if we had four to six weeks and we shut everything, we could bring this under control. And so uh, the argument is, which is better for the economy? Is it better to let people struggle like this or is it better to shut it down? Well, if you look at Taiwan, the answer is there. And it's still not too late for us to do this. Very hard to do, but probably the wise thing. Florida, unheard of numbers, you know, half a million. Um, and so what makes America great is what's making America weak right now. Mm -hmm. um, it is our individuality, our ability to express ourselves. And that leads to innovation. But in a time of crisis, you have to conform. 100%. You don't have a military with, with everyone going, hey, I think we should shoot from the left. I think we should. No, it's a chain of command. Yes. So what yeah. have you been telling people who are looking for jobs now? You know, uh, selfishly, I don't want them to leave the industry because I love this industry. I mean, it's been my whole life. And it's been so good to me and my family. But for people who are younger, I am suggesting that they look at alternatives. And what I've said is, if you really love the industry, it will get strong and it will take you back when it's ready. But with too many people hovering, there's not enough to feed everybody. So some people must leave. Um, people who were uh, my age, I'm going to be 64 this year. Oh, God bless who, you, man. Who were thinking um, possibly of retiring in a couple of years, they're bringing it forward. Now, I'm doing the reverse. I've decided to stay in for a little bit longer. But some people are retiring. Friends of mine that were a year older that um, retired at the end of uh, 2019, they're laughing. There's this uh, right. yeah. guy. Mike, talk about good timing. Guy, and I, yeah, I sent him a Facebook message saying, talk about good timing. You, you know. Anyway, it's yeah, so I know. Ha, ha, ha. So some people are going to retire early. Other people will leave the industry. What I'm telling everybody is that they have to count on getting through for the next 16 weeks. You mm -hmm. can't plan for all of 2020, uh, 2021, but 16 weeks from now, from today, is Thanksgiving. And if we can get through to Thanksgiving, it's a downhill run till the end of the year. Right. Uh, I said a vaccine would come out by the end of the year, and people said, no, that's impossible. It takes three years, five years. But Fauci just confirmed that he's yep. quietly optimistic that we will have a vaccine. As to its efficacy and how well it will work, we don't know. But there are a number, and they're going into trial. So I tell people 16 weeks. And what I said at the beginning of my, um, April was trim all your costs. Cut mm -hmm. all your costs. Keep your savings. We don't know how long um, government allowances will last. But trim your costs. Now I'm saying, in addition to trimming your costs, 
see what you can do for 16 weeks. Because once it's Thanksgiving, people will see the end of the year. They'll see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And in the new year, things will start to ease back. They're not going to 100%. Isn't it amazing how quickly this year went, though? It like, is. Like, this was this was warp speed. It was you'd the slowest it, year, but it was the fastest year yeah, all at the same time. I agree with you. And you'd think it would be the other way around. You'd think it'd be incredibly slow. We're doing the same thing, the monotony. The only thing I know is that every Thursday I wake up and I think it's Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I wake up on Tuesday and you think it's Friday. Yeah. 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 No, the, the days the days mold together. And, and I want I want to mention what you said before. I was always a proponent of shutting everything down for 60 days. Cuomo did it in New York. And this mm-hmm. is not political. This is not a political no. podcast. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm right down the middle. Me and too. and and New York is is thriving now. We yeah. the death the, the the cases we I think we had 600 something cases yesterday, which is still a lot, but we had I think four deaths. We had 3 days where we had no deaths. So Cuomo literally shut everything down for April for March and April. Um and it I worked. think it was the right move. It worked. Now, yes. people coming back into New York, you know, people now going out and being a little more reckless, you know, that could inch the, uh, the numbers back up. I mean, there could possibly be a second wave. And regarding school, I don't, do you have grandchildren? No, I don't. I you want them, but I have two useless sons. Okay. Uh, well, you got to smack <laughs> them around me. a little bit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're, not even, they're not even married. Oh, so, you know, oh, okay. Our All rule, right. you get married, then you have kids. So we're waiting. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I don't, yeah, I don't know what I would do with children. I believe that we had to reopen schools, but until we get this, I, I've changed my uh, stance on that because we don't have the virus under control. That's exactly right. And we can't right. put children in harm's way. Uh, and um, I said that I, I on my Twitter account. I said, and I'm I'm a proponent of this. There was a doctor who said, we are stupid if we open schools. This is not a Democrat thing. This is not a Republican thing. This is protecting my kids thing, okay? And I put on Twitter, I don't care how long this is going to take. My kids are not stepping foot in school. And even if that yeah. means that business does not get back to normal, I'm will, I'm willing that to, happens. Yeah, I'm willing to sacrifice it. Yeah. It's fine. It is it, what it is. It's, my, it's, only, it's only money. It's it only money that we'll figure it out when this is all over. But we, I think we will, that, and and time. And again, it's not going to do any huge harm if everybody's held back by a year. Everybody's the same. Yeah, and, and like, children like, are resilient. They'll pick it up. Hundred percent. So, so their health has to come first. I mean, yeah, you're, yeah, it's a no brainer. People are saying that oh, they need social interactions. Kids being home for six months with family. And learning with family and being, you know, we, we, we teach differently. I don't know how other people are teaching, but you know, them not learning chemistry for six months, they're going to be okay. They're not learning chemistry, but they're learning to bake. hundred percent. That, that's science. Yes. You know, yes. maybe we'll come up with a generation that can cook because uh, I was raised in Japan and men in Japan didn't learn to cook. My sister learned from my mother. But I love food. So I was always in the kitchen. My mother's going, what are you doing here? Get out of here. hundred percent. So I learned to cook. Um, but um, there's so many of my kids' age, I guess the uh, 30-year-olds, because fast food and uh, convenience was out there that didn't learn to cook. So maybe we'll rectify that, and that could be a great thing. During the first part of the quarantine in New York, when it was like March to June, um, you know, the kids had their curriculum during the day and everything, and they had to do their work and whatnot. But I allowed them two hours a day, two hours a day, whenever they wanted, to have YouTube time. And that YouTube time was not used for video games. It's not used to play games. They have to research every day a new topic that interests them. My daughter was researching sharks, and she was learning everything she wanted to learn about sharks that you can't learn in school. 
my son was learning about YouTube production, learning how to create podcasts and make clips and do yeah. art. So, you know, I feel that this is a child's opportunity. You can't, you got, when you have lemons, you like, got to make do, lemonade. What do we, what do, we mm -hmm. do 100 years ago? Yes. You yeah. Know, like, like everybody was home with their families all the time. It's yeah. just the way that it was. I love yeah. it personally. I told my wife Whoa. 10 minutes before this podcast, I love that we're home and my kids are going to be home probably for seventh and third grade. And I think that in generation, if you hear that funny noise, I have two French bulldogs and they're excited and playing. Good. Um, <laughs> they think it's great that everyone's home. But <laughs> I, I think you're right. And I don't see that people see the dividend from this. And the dividend from this is families that are closer together, that communicate better, where children will be able to communicate with their parents on a different level. Um, and I think that dividend will get played out like Believe uh, it or not, ten, five to 10 years time. Like yeah. my kids have gotten closer. I have a 10 year old girl and I have a six year old boy. And, and I have they, a 12 year old boy yeah. and a seven. Uh, yeah. Eight -year -old so yours boy. are close. I was yeah. working out the third grade. Seven, okay, so yeah, they, yeah. They've gotten closer. And then not only that, they've gotten closer to their cousins because they've been gaming a lot online because there's yeah. just been more time for it. There's no karate. There's no soccer. There's no, mm -hmm. there's none of that. So what do they do at four o'clock in the afternoon before dinner starts? They'll go online and they'll the game. Four of them will play together. And they're squealing and having the greatest time in the world. And they've had and issues. And they've had issues that this one didn't it do it the right way. And you know what? Eric and I locked them in their room. I say, you can't get out. This machine can't get turned on until you, Alexander, who's my son, works it out with Zachary, who's Eric's son. Saying, so you guys have yeah. to work it out. And they do. My, my, my father did that. So well, uh, my brother and I are 17 months apart. He's older. Wow. And we used to fight and wrestle as kids do. But one time we got into a pretty bad fight and my dad stepped into our room, said, what are you doing? Uh, and tried to break us up. We couldn't, we were older at that stage. And so he said, okay, shouted at the top of his voice, do what you want, slam the door shut left. My brother and I looked at us, there was no referee. Nothing was gonna stop us. We just stopped on our own. <laughs> right. that's a, but that's how our mother used to do it with us. Eric and I rarely fought. Eric and I are it's kind I'm of- always, It's cause I'm always right. So it's cause Eric, as long as Eric was right, we didn't have to fight. <laughs> really and truly, we would go at it. We're brothers. Eric and I shared a room for 14 years. And of course we had disagreements, mm -hmm. but it was nothing like what the other brothers would fight about. And if and when there was a fight, the, 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 the once in a couple year fight that Eric and I would have, our mom would walk in, she would say, the two of you are not getting out of this room until it's worked out between the two of you. And she would slam the door. And we felt more guilty that mom was pissed than like, you know, actually each one of us was annoyed. But Eric and I always ironed it out. And we still do that to this day. But that's, okay. that's how relationships that? get closer. Can we do that with Congress? Can we send your mother and just have her <sighs> tell them they're not getting out till they... <laughs> uh, you know, listen... Uh, this is this I I hate and I'm, I will say this on the air. I don't care. I hate everyone in our government from the top down. The Republicans, Democrats, they ruined this country. And, and it didn't start in, in the last three, four months. This has been going on for years. And what they did to this country is reprehensible. Every one of them should be thrown out of there and start anew. This is this is so embarrassing what it, happened it to is, this country. And, and people are starting to see it. Uh, it doesn't reflect well uh, overseas. We it's were horrible. So that if I could, I think it started with um, Obama getting in and he being disrespected. Bush prior to that was made fun of, but none uh, called him Mr. Bush. They still called him President Bush. Um, the courtesies were still in place. And um, having our first black president brought out the undercurrent of racism that has uh, been there 100%. in australia racism is really simple 
it uh, it exists but they tell it to you, they tell you to your face so it's not hidden in america everyone's far more politically correct but therefore they hide it and so it's more dangerous and i think we saw disrespect grow when all the jokes were going around about obama now trump's receiving the same thing mm -hmm. we've become polarized we've certainly become more party driven what i don't understand what i don't understand is every 99% of people that i meet that i talk to are right down the middle yes why like why isn't everyone like why, yeah. why, why is it so polarized everywhere else everybody i meet is down the middle unless yeah. they're not unless they, they don't want to tell you what their true opinion is eric unless they're hiding it from you because they're afraid that you're gonna listen on twitter today care. if you if you want toxicity go on twitter oh twitter is i made i made a post i made a post that my kids are not stepping foot in school and this is just my opinion this is mm -hmm. not because i'm pro donald trump or anti donald trump i'm not sending my kids to school because i don't want anyone that I love to get COVID. Yeah. That's my own opinion. And I had these middle of the country people responding to me in such derogatory, nasty way saying, uh, you, you, you chill out. Dude. I don't even want to mention the way this mm. guy was talking, but he was, he was in Trump rallies and he was so derogatory towards me. And I'm just saying to him, yeah. you do what's good for you. I'm not going to tell you what to do and I'm going to do what's good for me. Well, and that's how you a, have to deal with these people. This is a new phenomenon. But prior to Twitter, you didn't communicate with somebody that was outside exactly. of your social circle. So we're crossing barriers that were in place because of communications. Right. And so we're learning. Um, you know, uh, Trump is the first president to use Twitter. Obama was the first to use social media. I'm against the... I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Tweeting, but it's only... Uh, but I could be wrong. Every president from now on could tweet. Um, so it's it's a new new day, a new new era, and we have to accommodate it. But yeah, I think we've become polarized as a nation. I think we're weaker because of that. Hundred percent. And yet the majority of the people I know, irrespective of their political leanings, want to get through this, want to help, want to you know, yes. do this. It's um America is the only uh, advanced country in the world that has um, employer-sponsored uh, health benefits. It was started after World War II to help the GIs returning and was meant to disappear. Um, and it never did. And so, uh, again, what makes us great in terms of our economic machinery is making us weak. Uh, we can't break the political lobbying that the pharmaceutical and medical fraternities have um, to keep health uh, as a paid benefit. In just about every other country, health is like education. It's socialized. I had a friend from American Express say, oh, that's socialism. And I said, education is socialized. Roads are socialized. Yep. So certain things should be. And health is a God-given right for everybody to be able to be attended to. And instead, we have a very broken system. Um, so, yeah, I... I still think America is a great place. I'm lucky, you know, I've lived in Japan, lived in Australia, and I've only lived here for uh, 14 years, 16. Now. And um, so I see it through different eyes. Um, and I still think it's the greatest country in the yeah, world. It's yeah. fantastic. But Don't get us does, wrong. Yeah, it does have to fix certain things. And I wish, if we're going to have to have COVID, I wish we could use it to fix some of these things, Michael. I think, you know, I agree, the, the dialogue is good, but it should be positive. We should be looking for positive outcomes, so, not just... Bashing people. You mentioned before. I want to shift gears here a little bit. You mentioned yes. before how the president and you know first started using Twitter and social media pretty recently. 
how instrumental has social media been in your business? Um, because we are a new business, um, it has been, I want to say, 60% of our business has been driven by social media, not the results, but the brand and the brand awareness, such that when we do uh, attend an event, um, or we do call in on somebody, they go, oh, you guys, you're the puzzle people. And when that first happened, yep. um, we said, oh, we're identified. Uh, I don't know if you... Yeah, we saw it on the mug. Pick up. Yeah. yeah. No, that's brilliant. I love that. I um, came up with this silly idea because we were using a lot of Zoom and Skype uh, to interview people. Um, and um, so we ordered these uh, mugs in um, February, and they arrived in April and they've been sitting, and we haven't been able to distribute them. So we used uh, our newsletter and social media, and we said the first 100 people that um, uh, say they want one, send us your, uh, go online to our website so it's secure and send us your address, because not everyone's working from their office. In fact, most aren't. We had the 100 come in in the first two hours. That's wow. Amazing. And so we had to close it down. The postage these damn things cost $7.50 each to post. <laughs> right. It was like, that's 750 but we said we're going to do it. Let's honor it. We right. don't, you know, we're not going to fool around and pick the people we like out of the hundred. It's the first hundred, you know, play by the book. So social media um, has been critical. And, um, and it was a learning curve for me. Prior to that, I wasn't visible on LinkedIn. Now I separate my Facebook from LinkedIn. So I keep my Facebook for my friends. Um, and travel staff has a Facebook page, but I don't, I tend not to post work related stuff on my Facebook, but I use LinkedIn. Right. Um, and, um, and I once made a post about, um, LinkedIn is not Facebook, you know, let's keep it work related and, um, forgot all about it. And then I decided, you know, my footprint was becoming big enough, um, People were needing an uplifting story. So I wrote my history about how I joined the travel industry as the lowest of the low, uh, the mailboy, and then ended up hiring the managing director as my chairman 12 years later. Mm -hmm. And uh, just wanted to sort of talk about, you know, if you try, you can. And a friend of mine from Belgium wrote, I think you LinkedIn was not personal. You're doing personal stuff. No, oops. <laughs> <laughs> I but, think the, you know, I think the that, line that story I, was launched by 140,000 people. I've never seen anything like it. Oh my, that's that. amazing! That's yeah. amazing. So it's it's fun. Social media is um, very different. In fact, someone was asking me, uh, "Oh, it's HSMAI, the hotel uh, people. We're doing a webinar next week for them, and they're wanting to know what people should do." And I said. Um, Right now, I'm telling people to do free courses. HSM AI have a paid one, but it's not that expensive on digital media and social media mm -hmm. because that's where salespeople are being driven to next. Um, I also did a post on cybersecurity. There are $350,000 uh, open positions in cybersecurity, and there are courses that you can do. Um, and if you read the news last week or earlier this week, Carlson Wagon Lee Travel had to pay $4.5 million ransom uh, because somebody uh, hijacked their too, system it's not too late to start cyber staffing yeah just, I, just saying just gonna put that out there i think 
I think that um, as people try to get through the next 16 weeks, try to get back to the job, their jobs that may or may not exist, if they look at digital media and social media courses, and if they look at cybersecurity, those are the two areas where they don't have to give up everything they know. They meld with the industry that they're uh, aligned to, and uh, they can do well. The biggest question um, as people start hiring in the new year is going to be, what did you do during COVID? Differentiate, differentiate yourself. Did you sit on the couch and eat Cheetos? 100%. Or what did you do? And if if it's we, it's Eric and Mike, when we started a podcast so we could communicate, if it is um, my partner, Imelda, she's actually gone back to college and she's doing studies, but they're, she's of Mexican descent, born here, but her parents are first generation Mexicans. She's studying uh, Latino history as it relates to America. And she's learning so much about her own heritage. So she's keeping herself active. And you, everybody out there is going to be called on to say, what did you do? Yes. And if the answer is, I taught my children. Uh, and learned how to school at home. I um, I looked after my aging parents. These are all good answers. But if it's, oh, I didn't really have anything to do and uh, wasn't sure, so I thought I would wait, they're just not going to get a job. That's going to knock them you. out of contention. I agree with you 100%. I made a post on LinkedIn. This is more personal. And the joke was, um, after we emerge from COVID, you're either going to be a hunk, a chunk, or a drunk. <laughs> So, and it, and it got a lot of likes. It got a lot yeah. of people saying, you know, yeah, I get it. I would rather be a drunk. I'd rather be a chunk, blah, blah, blah. Like I've had cheat nights during COVID, right? And all I've, three, baby. All three, treat, all three. Uh, gonna, I'm going to be all three. I'm going to be a hunk, a chunk, and a drunk. <laughs> but it, you're absolutely right. This was, this was such a great reset for, for our family. Michael mm -hmm. and I would always talk about my parents building the business 50 years ago, how we would have yes. loved to have been a fly on the wall, had a video camera. What happens if they had a podcast in 1976 and they right. were able to talk about building the business? And Michael, I always said, we started this podcast a year ago and we always said, man, we wish we would have had this podcast when we started the business. Well, yeah. be careful what you wish for because <laughs> we're, we're starting over. And not only that, we're behind the eight ball and we took on debt and we took on, you know, we're, we're, we're so far behind it now. And monitoring our progress going forward, I think, is going to be invaluable in the future because we can look back and um, it's, it's so helpful. That, but your children, if it becomes a third generation business, which I no hope doubt. it does, yeah. Um, yeah. you're going to be able to replay um, these things. And yes, that's the yeah, biggest value. Legacy. That's yes. the biggest value is the legacy that we're leaving. That our goal, our goal throughout all this was to maintain BLS for when we all came back because we're we're very optimistic people. We believe in the universe. We believe in giving out good karma. We believe in that stuff. And you learn from your mistakes. And when COVID happened to Eric and I, it was the great reset that, you know, this is our time to educate our clients on what we did. And the client said, well, we want this done. And we added more to the program. And right now, we're not at we're not at March and April numbers. We have definitely inched up. We have a very we're definitely heading the right direction. It's nowhere near where we want it to be. Yeah. My question to you is do you think that it will ever get back to 2019 numbers? Oh, yeah, I, I'm sure it will. And I think uh, you know, people are misreading the news. Hotels are saying it will be until 2024 
when they hit full recovery. Um, I don't think have, so. You have to look at everything. What they're talking about is when they've recovered the loss that they've made through 2020 mm, and it'll take until 21. Gotcha. But the occupancies, occupancies will be driven by getting the virus under control. Uh, hotels, just like uh, BLS and uh, chauffeur-driven cars, uh, restaurants can't make money by running at a third occupancy. They can't make money by spending more money on safety and health issues than they were prior without putting their rates up. Right. So I think we will see uh, a return to full occupancy. I use that word generally across you know, yeah. full business in 2022. I think 2021 will be a, an escalating year and it will start off slowly and it will ramp up as people gain confidence and as countries agree on protocols for people traveling, it's already starting to happen where, you know, some people do have to quarantine. If you go to Australia right now, you're quarantined for 14 days, unless you're Nicole Kidman and um, Keith <laughs> Urban. They cheated right. a little bit. But sure. um, the funny thing is, it's government paid. Now in the Australian government, there are people saying, people who choose to travel should have to pay for their own quarantine. <laughs> but right now, if you arrive in Sydney, you're put in a hotel overlooking <laughs> the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge. It was so funny. A friend of mine uh, had a granddaughter, and so she flew back to Japan to see uh, her grandchild right. and then returned knowing full well she'd be locked up for 14 days. And her husband delivered to the hotel a bottle of champagne and her yoga mat because she's a keen yoga person. Right. And then stood out in the street, 30 floors below, waving. And she took a picture, and there's this tiny little guy. And then he worked out which window she was in. And it was like they were dating again, you know, after 20, really 30 fun. years of marriage. And so, um, yeah, if you, if you want the, a free holiday, you can't leave the hotel, but you do right. get it paid for by the government. So I think these protocols. Let's go to Australia. Yeah, are starting to come into play. Um, and then once there's a vaccine, uh, there's also one hour testing right now right. at uh, the airport in Tokyo. Uh, they That'll screen everybody. Yep. And if anybody's running a fever, and they've been taking temperature for 20 years, people haven't known that they've been walking through really? uh, in Hong Kong and Tokyo. They've always looked for uh, spikes in temperature. So if you have a temperature and they you know, put that little gun to your head and take your temperature, they'll put you in a room um, and then they'll take a test and they'll know within an hour. So these are the things that are being done until a vaccine is in place. Now, once a vaccine's in place, they're going to have to work out how do they prove that? Is it something that you carry on your iPhone? I don't know if you guys are probably too young to remember. There used to be an old immunization book, a yellow book that the World Health Organization put out to show that you had your typhoid and your tetanus and your uh, yellow fever and whatnot. And mm -hmm. I think that's going to become an app in your iPhone where people will You're say. probably right. And there yeah. will be some protocol so that some jerk doesn't go in there and go, yeah, I had it yesterday when he didn't. Um, but um, I think those things are going to lead uh, to 2021 starting to ramp up. Uh, I read with amusement GBTA, um, for those of you in, in the pod podcast, that's the Corporate Travel uh, Association. And um, they had to cancel their conference in Denver, as you know. Yep. Uh, you guys are always big there. And um, it's, it, it's a nonsense. They're talking about corporate travel. There is no corporate travel. No company is going to put their key employees in harm's way. No company is going to send somebody somewhere and say, uh, with, the possibility that they're going to be quarantined for 14 days either end. My wife and I were supposed to go to Japan in October. I still have one aunt and every summer we go. 
to take her up out of Tokyo to the mountains where it's cooler. And this year was supposed to be the Tokyo Olympics. So we said, oh, we're not going then. We'll go in October. Right. And that just canceled our trip. It was going to be a 13-day trip, and we would wow. have to self-quarantine for 14. <laughs> wow. So, um, and that, you know, people are traveling for family reasons. Like I said, if you've had a grandchild, if you're losing a loved one, of course you're going to try to get there, and you don't care about quarantine. But otherwise, it's just not worth going. Right now, there are only 25, no, 19 countries accepting Americans mm-hmm. of the 300 countries in the world. So we have become the pariah, the the leper uh, of the international travel community. Like you said, sixteen weeks. Yeah, I think sixteen. I, for, weeks. I, for, I Thanksgiving is definitely when if things if things for us are amping up. Now we're big in entertainment. I know you always yes. post a lot of um a lot about entertainment jobs and stuff like that, or you were posting yeah. a lot about entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Jobs. And um, you know, we're actually working with a lot of productions right now where they're considered part of the crew yeah we're Mm -hmm. considered a part we're considered part of the crew so we're actually uh the chauffeurs will assign a group of chauffeurs to a certain production and then they'll go with and get tested with everybody else once a week yep with the rest of the staff and um so that's pre-vaccine and then post-vaccine it'll probably slow down so people only need to be tested once every three months Uh, they just don't know how long um, whether it's a one injection process or a two injection process um, but I think 2021, and, and so I'm quietly optimistic to use Fauci's term, that we will start to stabilize, that we will hit that um, zero base and then start to grow. So I think I 2021 so. will be a growth year. I think um, it's a year of innovation. It's a year of survival still. Uh, the numbers will still be bad. Um, in fact, the numbers, I'm surprised the stock market is doing uh, so well because the losses can't, for, can't for the second quarter no yeah. i can't I, the second quarter just came in the first quarter was january february march so we had all of good january all of good february and half of a decent march right and and people were panicked uh, when those results came in and then uh, april may june just came in they're they're being announced now and people are going oh yeah well, so, we knew it was hmm. going to be bad i mean you've got starwood or marriott announcing that they ran at 93 percent less meaning they ran at seven percent of their usual you right. can't run on seven percent hell if my gas tank gets down to seven percent i'm worried i'm filling up right absolutely you can't run so do you the feel bank- there's going to be more nick do you feel there's gonna be more bankruptcies in the in the oh, upcoming year definitely uh, ppp in and travel SBA, specifically in travel in travel specifically and today i read that uh uh, that smart, smart guy O'Hara from um, Travel Leaders is just setting up a five hundred million dollar fund to buy travel companies because he's going bargain hunting. Right, uh, they are going to be weakened, and if he has enough money to keep them going, buy them and keep them going by twenty twenty two, he's going to be gonna, laughing. He's going to own it, yeah. And his brother, um, of course, is you know on the Amex uh, GBT side of things. Uh, don't be surprised if, you know, it's a target like that. It's going to be big and they're going to take it down and it's really smart. So there will be uh, bankruptcies. Again, in June, I came out with a newsletter for the small to medium-sized enterprises saying merge, talk to your friends, join together temporarily uh, so that you can limit your overhead. Um, what it doesn't do is it doesn't employ people. Mergers and acquisitions tend to shrink. 100%. Uh, and so they're going to be more unemployed people. And that, you know, is heartbreaking. Um, and how those people uh, will get through, uh, you know, the big word for 
2020 is pivot. If I hear pivot once more, I'm going to get yeah. dizzy and fall <laughs> over. But I think it's, it is, how do you change up? What do you do? How do you keep food on the table? Uh, what does it require? Is it enough? Is, you know, are you in a position where unemployment is enough? Great. They've extended it. You'll be okay. Stay out of the way of people who need the jobs. If you need the job to feed the kids, help them. And um, so, yeah, we've turned into a, a helpline and a hotline uh, just trying to advise people on their individual uh, needs and to give a creative sounding board for hope. Um, but, uh, yeah, 16 weeks. I think all of us can somehow get through 16 weeks with the help of friends and family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they they're going to come to some agreement tomorrow they thinking say. of thinking about you know like covid was the end of the travel world right like you know you would always think you know what would happen if something like that would happen and it happened and generally everyone's muddling through it and like you know so like if we can get through this and see it through to the other side nothing can stop us ever listen we survived i want to expand on that eric i want to mm-hmm. add on to that we survived 911 we survived the writer's strike, which was crippling to our industry yes. when they stopped yeah. traveling. Our, in our, our business specifically. In our bus- yeah. business and, and company specifically, the writer's yeah. strike destroyed us. And then we survived the Great Recession in 08 and 09. And that took a couple of years to get out of. But you know what? We always came out stronger. We survived lawsuits, these these frivolous, crippling lawsuits. For From these- 2000 to 2010. Yep. Yeah. 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 These these lawsuits that just, you know, they didn't, they didn't relent. They They wanted everything. Mm-hmm. And we survived it. And this COVID thing is definitely the worst I've seen. This is the, yeah. what I'm going through. You Funny, know. you 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 mentioned a lot of things in your industry. You didn't mention Uber and Lyft. Yeah, no. Yeah, you and know, you survived and came out stronger. You know, Uber and Lyft. Uber and Lyft. You differentiated. That would be yeah. like saying you don't need travel agents anymore because there's travelocity. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's it's the difference between. Um, specialists and generalists yeah but right. um but there were a number of uh limousine companies and uh, chauffeur drive companies that uh felt they it. all panicked mm-hmm. they they panicked for no reason it was a knee-jerk if, reaction if you, if you would just double down on service um and, you'll and, be fine and education you're right service and education Absolutely. And i will come out and differentiate in New York and LA, um, it didn't affect us because we weren't driving those people to begin with. Mm-hmm. However, it, it was actually a boom to us in New York because these companies um, dropped their black car service because Uber decimated the black car market in New York. And we yeah. were there to scoop up these accounts that were normally using black car service. They were willing to pay a few, do- few points higher to, to use a company like BLS. In yeah. Vegas, it, it destroyed the city. I mean, it hurt everyone in Vegas from the taxis to the shuttles to the limos yeah. to the doormen. So- you know, but right now there's a little bit of a renaissance going on in Vegas. I, I hate to use the word we pivoted in Vegas. And, uh, <laughs> we, we, you know, we pivoted yeah. there, and instead of you know getting, getting the door right, we um we we went for you know inside the hotel work. And mm-hmm. you know, listen, like anything else, you have to be you can't be dogmatic in business. You have to you have to pivot. You have to pivot. You have to be flexible. You have to yes. find that service level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so um, we are optimists, and I think that we're going to be okay. I worry about everybody between now and the end of the year because unemployment. They're going to give the something back. They're going to get something. They're yeah. talking about between 200 and 400. The and Dems it's aren't, okay the for Dems, today, but they can't keep doing it. The so Dems aren't relenting. Back. The Dems aren't relenting. They said it's 600 or nothing. 
So I think you know, I think they're putting I think I think they're going to come through with something. Hear me really out. I posted this. I posted this on LinkedIn for the new stimulus. Everyone gets fifty thousand, a bottle of Kahlua, and a medieval flail. <laughs> okay, that's the new stimulus, and I'm telling you, America would be great again. Okay, if everyone had fifty thousand cash in their pocket, a bottle of Kahlua, and this thing that they could just hit people with, it's, it would just be perfect. <laughs> That's that's the name of this podcast. Buddy. Yeah, fifty thousand Kahlua, <laughs> and a medieval 50K flail. Kahlua and a whip and a and a medieval flail. No, the flail's like <laughs> I, a mace. It's got a chain with a bowl and spikes. I just watched. I just watched Braveheart again, and uh, yeah, there's the thing yeah. where Mel Gibson rides into the guy that was the traitor and and whacks him on the head with it, and then runs that beautiful stallion out into the air and into the water. So I just watched it. Deadly. Yeah, it was a classic <laughs> movie. With that. So, well, yeah, I just want to mention, Nick, sure. where, where's travel? Where Where's your company going to be in the next year? You know, like, do you th- you think you guys are getting out of this? We are. We, we've got a long-term plan. We, ha- we said uh, at the beginning we have to get through till August, and that's what we told our team. Yes. Uh, we were wrong. And then uh, now we said we have to get through till the end of the year. And by that, we have our sights set on Thanksgiving, and then okay. we go down the uh, jolly holiday slope, see out the end of the year. Um, we don't know um, where we're going to be. We mm-hmm. think, uh, and it's only a guess, that temporary staff solutions are going to be big, that people are going to be scared to hire back uh, for fear of taking on long-term liabilities um, and having to pay out uh, if things go wrong. So we are ramping up our uh, temporary staffing solutions um, we've always used them for production travel anyway. As you know, production is a set business and you know, frequently a, a company that gets set up just to do that movie or you know, that tour mm-hmm. and then is shut down. Um, so in the production and entertainment world, we have always had temp staff. We've got temp staff um, at Sony, at Fox, mm-hmm. um, at CBS. And um, so we see that model rolling out across corporate America. Mm-hmm. where people will say, well, we know that we're busier in spring than we are in winter. Um, and so we're going to go to them and say, well, why don't you use somebody for three months or four months? Our temp staff are really strange. We don't let them out for less than a month. Mm-hmm. So you can't hire a travel staff temp, and they're all good. They're all tenured. They all know their business uh, backwards. Um, and, of course, with remote work, we have even more now because they're going to be allowed to work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, so we think that temporary solutions are going to, um, peak. So how are you educating employers with that? How we're, are not, you educa- we're not, we're yeah. not right now. It's too soon. Uh, going so. out too early to the marketplace just makes more noise. If I'm asked Very to sit true. in on one more webinar on how to survive, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. so, um, we're going to wait. We want to see the signs of recovery so that we are solution, not more noise. So we think that that time uh, will be January. Um, we've set aside funds to do that. We have our pool of uh, our core team of temps that we've always had, but we're going to add to that. Uh, with our temp- temps, we actually uh, put them through um, not training. They're already trained, but screening where they're actually getting their GDS skills. These are people that know how to make Sabre sing. 
No, they're not the point and click, you know, travel agents. They have to be able to get into the system and find 15 seats or, yeah. you know, know somebody to clear a seat for first class because the artist is traveling. That's what Stuff I'm talking that you guys about. Do I love that. All the time, right? I, no, which I love those nuances. It's, it's fun and, and, yeah. it's, and, and it requires expertise. Well, we see that spilling into corporate travel and to leisure travel and also into the tour operators who, again, are seasonal. They're going to, the tour operators canceled everything for 2020. Now they're banking on 2021. Um, and they're going to need more staff, but they're going to need them in a, in a spike. So that's the change we see, and it happens to be the industry we know. Uh, hotels have always had it. They're called task force in the hotel business, where uh, you bring in a director of sales uh, for a month because, or three months because somebody's on maternity leave or mm -hmm. because you're launching a new product and you need extra salespeople. Mm -hmm. um, so we see hotels doing that because their occupancies won't build back to uh, the old levels. And we see um, the travel community generally. So that's the big change is we're going to be less about placement and more about temporary staff. Um, and what I was saying about we only let our people out for a month, uh, people thought we were crazy, but I would speak to uh, managers and company owners, and I would say, if you only want somebody for a week, you can get through it. You don't need anybody. You just need to buck up. Mm -hmm. um, and our people, it takes them a week just to get up to speed in your organization, where to find the coffee maker, you know, how to mm -hmm. say good morning. <laughs> so, and, and so what I do is we actually had to educate them. I'd say, they said, we don't need somebody for a month. And I'd say, yes, you do. When's the last time you took a holiday? When's the last time your most productive agent got to take a fam trip or a holiday? What about education? What about letting your bookkeeper go? Our people are actually trained as ARC specialists. or mm -hmm. you know, They're multitaskers. And so they think about it and they go, yeah, we can find something for a month. And we mm -hmm. could use that so everybody can get a little bit of a break. And I went, there you go. So we've never budged on that one month minimum. And it's also fair to our people. You don't want a job for a week. You want to be able to know that you've got something mm -hmm. for a period of time. And again, I tell our temp staff, most people that get hired are temp staff who the employers or the team fall in love with. Oh, we can't live without Betty Sue. Right. Offer her a right. job because they know who they're dealing with. Right. So the best way to find a job when there are few and far between is to already be holding down that job temporarily. It's amazing. I got to so tell you, we've had a lot of guests on the on the show. You have the most soothing voice. I, I've been like meditating for the last <laughs> 54 minutes. You're very, it's been like, you're very it, chill, Nick. You're very, very can you chill. Tell, can you tell my wife that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you put her on the phone. Bring her on. Yeah. Bring her on. We'll tell her that, my God, like, it, you know, you, you are so cool, so calm, so collected. And well, you're doing a grateful. real, we're yeah. doing a real service to the travel industry. Um, we're grateful, that, we're grateful that, for you, Nick, that you're able to help people find jobs. And I think that's just a wonderful thing. Where can people find you? Where can they find travel staff? Oh, we're at travelstaff.net. Um, I'm Nick at travelstaff.net, but uh, we're on 24/7. I always tell people uh, if we don't answer right away, it's because we're asleep. We're, 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 we're active and proactive, but the truth is. Uh, the advice that we're giving most people is you're not going to find a job through us. We're going to give you an idea to find a job. But right now, employers aren't using recruiters. Why would they pay our fee, which is, you know, 18% when there's a plethora of talent out there? Now, the truth is we, we know who's better. Mm -hmm. But in this day and age, I would be saying the same. Why would you pay a fee unless you need that expertise? Save the money and put that right. money towards yourselves, your families. So we're going to be running on empty till the end of the year. And then, as we say, we'll, we'll specialize as we need to. 
Um, but I'm expecting 2021 to be the year we get back into the saddle firmly. And 2022, I think, is going to be a great year. I think, Love it. Michael, to answer your old question, when will it be back? I think 2022 is the, the day it will be back to what it used to be. Right? Nick, you're a godsend, man. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Like, and, uh, subscribe, comment, share, everybody. And um, we appreciate you coming on, Nick. Okay, and I'm going to send you a little note, Eric, to uh, get the address to send these to, and I will be sending you and Michael your very own travel staff mugs. We will use it. Amazing. We will use it. <laughs> Hang out for two minutes. I'm going to Hang sign off now. Thank you, guys. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.